Welcome to The Difference Engine, the show for founders, funders, and the category curious. Don't confuse size, don't confuse valuation with category leadership. I'm not the only person frustrated by this. You disagree with my analysis. I do. You either acquire or you are acquired. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And it's proof that you're winning the argument. We all know history is written by the winners. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Paul. Tell me, what have we got coming up today? First thing, Elon Musk. Has the serial category creator done it again? Plus, some tips about how to overcome the difficulties of category creation. And at the end, what does the future hold for Ukraine's tech scene? Right, Elon, let's get into it. Great, so love him or loathe him, Elon Musk is the serial category designer. He's done it a million times. He's got the electric cars going. He's figured out battery technology and given it away as open source. He's about to reinvent Telco. And, you know, what an open goal. They could have done it themselves uh, if only they ate their babies. But recategorization is going to cost them lots and lots of jobs and hopefully be a real kicker for a lot of innovation in a brand new category. <laughs> I think the point about this is, is, is tech really used to be a great job, didn't it? What we've been seeing recently is some big layoffs in, in telcos in particular. You know, we've seen BT proudly announcing they're going to get rid of 55,000 of their own staff by, by 2030. Vodafone following through with another 11. Telecom Italia laying off another two. The thing for me, and the thing which is going to let Musk in here, is that these telcos have failed to differentiate the, the bulk of their, their offering. So I mean, is he going to, are you going to go out and get them? Is, is this he, he be the end of to. telco as we know? Somehow it? he doesn't need to. They're just cutting their throats. I mean, it's been quite obvious that, that they've been delivering a race to the bottom dumb pipe business. You know, it, it's been written on the wall in very, very big font. From a category perspective, the category is no longer pipes going into your house, broadband suppliers, all this sort of stuff. It's literally back to your old Skydish pointed at the sky and Elon Musk's Starlink. And in researching this, you and I looked at the costs of mm. what a Starlink connection is mm. versus a domestic. Uh, connection pretty it's, it's, it's not, not much more is it it's not it's that not much more. more and you know that's the starting price you know we've already seen it's not four grand off a, the cost of your average tesla already so there's plenty of room to do decent margins at the beginning but you know carry on on you know the full collection of revenues as more people buy into it and without being too cynical he's had a hell of a pr awareness campaign with the ukrainian war i mean this is what category leaders do they just reframe the whole problem and give you a solution that you didn't think you wanted right it's exactly what he's doing that's <laughs> exactly what he's doing but he's become the master of it you know he's done it time and time again in only a few years and you know other people should not scoff uh, they should just take a good look at what he's doing so in other words uh, all of those people on the milk round for, for telco jobs and, and, and all of our kids, etc. Maybe maybe telco's not the right job to be uh, in anymore. I would stay very, very, very wide of any industry as mature as that. It's only going one way. The reality is, though, it's been shown over and over and over again. So what's that phrase? You know, those that don't know the history are doomed to repeat it. This is an absolute case in point. You know, the innovators are not the incumbents. Yeah, you know, everybody moves on to the new category. You're left holding a bunch of tired assets a lot of people and very little IP that matters. And that's really why you need to go and get yourself a brand new category when the time's right in the market. Is category creation really that hard? For those of you returning, hopefully energized from our first episode, you, you may have a nagging feeling 
that amounts to mm, might category creation be a bit hard? It's way too hard. I literally heard that from a client who said, um, well, I tried it before, it didn't work, so we're not going to do it. We're going to go with this heavy engineering message. Fast forward three or four years from that comment, which we were all appalled at, obviously. And what actually happened is the CEO is now shipping that company around, shipped it to another client to see if he could sell it. Uh, and it still remains unloved at the side of the dance floor, waving its dance card. The, the irony is uh, the company that he tried it with, who he didn't stay with, um, who I can tell you is uh, a leader in a category called uh, the content delivery network space and one of the largest in there. Massive, huge Uber category, just raking in the profits, raking in the revenues. Uh, and for him, it was just, you know, honestly, he said it straight. It was just too hard. Yeah, but it isn't hard, is it? It, it might, may be at its best a little bit challenging, but then, you know, what in life worth doing isn't a little bit challenging? Well, should we break down why people say it's hard? And they do say it's hard. Uh, I think they look at what they need to do to create a category, and it's a lot, right? So the, the main piece, um, early days, essentially, is the education and awareness. People call it the market conditioning. And this is, uh, you know, as we say, it's sort of like the head nod to say, Yes, of course I've got that problem. That is exactly the problem I've been wrestling with. That's the seed of the category, right? So if we get the the part that people are doing a head nod and say, yes, I, I don't like waiting on a corner in the pouring rain, waving my hands at, at black cabs who'll only take cash and never pick me up, then maybe I'll be interested in the category. So education awareness, it, it's a lot, right? You would find, identify the people with the problem and reinforce again and again. That's the issue. That yeah, you, you need to take them on the journey in, in modern parlance. But you know, don't don't think that you can drive category along without taking people on the journey. And you know, some of the others you've got to take on the journey is, you know, convincing partners and and users. Yeah. So once you've got you know that initial head nod, get it, like it, want it. Can I? How do I get my head on it? People have to start to you know adopt it, mm. and and that's often via an ecosystem of partners. It may you know it's, it's very rare that you get somebody that can supply everything you need to flesh out a category. So yeah, absolutely. You need the ecosystem, you need the partners, and in software, it's often implementation partners. Yeah. And that, frankly, is quite hard. Yeah, right? but you need the T word too, you know, T for trust, which is really important. And, you know, that's the first area where you're going to need to have senior involvement. You know, you've got to lead from the front on this, and that means also leading from the top. Yeah, and we've got first-hand experience of just how hard it is. Uh, we don't need to mention the client, but you know we can certainly mention that the GSI, the Global Systems Integrator, that needed to be convinced, in this case, Accenture. And Accenture has a list of all of the folks that it's going to play nicely with right on its website. And just gaining the name check on the website sort of gives you a, a quick tick in the box that you're on the right track to creating a category that's meaningful. Yeah, that's, that's where you may have to do the Burger King strategy. Um, you know, Burger King allied with Pepsi because McDonald's were allied with Coke. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting that the case you're talking about there is that the uh, the company concerned very cleverly allied quickly with one of the companies that Accenture would take notice of. Right. So, uh, you know, it remains to be seen um, whether that's going to push them along, but I'd put money on it that it will. Yeah, so your friends, your friends are your friends. Uh, and equally, it's not so bad to have a couple of enemies out there and pick out some boogeymen that, you know, if you solve the category correctly, their, their goose will be cooked. We talked previously about the telcos and, and just how dumb they're being in the, in the face of what looks existential with the Starlink threat. So, you know, it's also good to have a boogeyman 
and some friends and figuring all of that out, it sounds a bit hard. Yeah, no, but also, you know, the point is, is is that, you know, when your competitors start to either ape you or diss you, that's when you know you're winning. The only thing you really need to do at that point, apart from, you know, congratulate yourself a little, um, is to keep ahead, to keep going, to strike, to strike, to strike, to keep the competitors constantly guessing what's going to be your next move. You're right, because you slow down, they'll catch up. It's, you know, mimicking is very easy these days. You can you know, mimic things very easily. And, and often with categories, you know, what you're t- trading in is ideas, views of the world, frankly, words. Words are very, very... Uh, you know, very copyable. So you do need to keep moving that point of view on. Otherwise, you you will definitely get caught. Um, you know, it's a war of ideas. That's what you're that's what you're talking about here. And why would you, if you see the world differently, try and wait for the rest to catch up? This is the problem with a lot of analyst relations. And we'll talk about that as a role sometime in the future. But you know, this is looking in the backward mirror, trying to get validation that the box that you are in is the box that an analyst, who frankly might be years behind. Uh, you know, the zeitgeist is putting you in. That's just not a strategy. That is just waiting for the inevitable decline of uh, of your competitive differentiation. Yeah, and I think, you know, bottom line, is category too hard? Absolutely not. It shouldn't be, right? So you're building your own category, you've got the confidence to do it. What is required here is leadership. Uh, it's it's not too hard. Uh, it's It's a bit like they say in physical training, right? It's all about mind over matter yeah and you know like most things in life uh, things get a lot easier with experience you know you may not be able to predict what's going to happen but you'll be very adept at managing it when it does and we're here to help indeed we are you've got to learn to earn you might have to explain what FIFO is. Yeah, my colleague here thinks it means first in, first out. It I does th- in programming. I think it means fit in or off. Yeah, so really we're talking about those who will not make the category journey. The reality is, in any category uh, process, some people are going to have to change. A company is radically reinventing itself, so people are going to radically reinvent themselves. You know, for some people, that is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to them in their career and other people will resist it with every last cell in their body because people fear change. And you, as a manager or as a leader, have to understand how they might react as you go through the category journey. Some people are just made for designing categories and and like the excitement of it, love the new, quite prepared to take risks. Other people, they want the paycheck, they want the security, they want a quality of life. And that's totally fine uh but they're just not the right people to carry through on yeah it, on the, the problem is, is that as they turn you know that fear into some form of action you know and they, they try and sort of cement their positions by um you know just basically coming out with a litany of negative attitudes and tactics and, and often these are hidden um and you may think somebody's with you on the journey and then they reveal themselves uh when it will have major impact on what you're trying to do. Yeah, that's so. like a whole version of Murphy's Law, right? Like when it's the least convenient for one of these Zs, as we call oh, yeah. them, to pop yeah. out of the yeah. out of the undergrowth, that's when they'll do it. So there is this fear that, that you should rightly have when you start uh, designing a category that not everybody's going to be with you, not everybody's going to be along for the entirety of the journey. And at some point, 
uh, especially if you're like a more established company trying to pivot, which is typically what's happening a lot these days. Startups not getting as much funding, so the, the scale-ups are sort of pivoting to stay relevant. You know, that's when you really need to have a close look at the team and see who is going to make it and who isn't. We wouldn't be doing our job if we just talked in generality. We need to get a little bit specific on this. Here's the pain. So, so there's a couple of um, folks that we think you might want to question if you have people in your category uh redesigning team that, that that basically have titles such as the following and i think the first one really is 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 partner marketing oh god yeah yeah right yeah, yeah. you know what the, these people tend to do when when they, when they they think that somehow category is going to lower their power is you know they, they sign off on and delay partner releases you know we've seen that happening over and over again because they want to maintain their relationships you know or, or at least you know not rock the boat um what, what they don't get is the boat that's already on fire or is a pile of ashes think about you know somebody who's built their career building partnerships with a set bunch of folks in your ecosystem that's totally understandable that they would want things to not change, but things are about to change, right? You're about to redefine a category. And so it may be that every single one of those partnerships that you spent perhaps years building is now less relevant. And that's a hard message for some people, especially the partner marketing professionals, for them to take on board. Well, yeah, and they also have to FIFO or they're going to die as surely as a dinosaur hit by a meteorite. And another lot are the in-house events teams. Yeah. You know, I mean, they are the ultimate analog players in the digital world. I do love a great event, as do we all. But, the, you know, the format's changed. The, the, the blending of digital and, and in-house has changed. And anybody who's holding on to a role that's specifically around in-house events, I, I don't care if it's been going, you know, 10, 20 years, they need to ask themselves, is that the right thing for the category? And it starts with everything from formatting to presentation. Are you addressing the right buyers? Are they the current buyers? Are they the future buyers, et cetera? So that role in particular, I think, is is very hard to justify. The individuals who hold these job descriptions are often transitioned into content roles. You know, why would anybody who's used to you know, managing buffets and standing around on carpets, be the right people to lead or deliver content strategies. It's, to just, me, there's it's a, just bonkers. There's a very distinct skill with logistics, specifically events logistics, and that should all be outsourced. Another type of role that I would be concerned about preventing your progress on category design is analyst relations types. Oh you, oh, you mean the diary coordinators, the people pleasers? Well, I mean, I think that's two ways of describing them. My issue is that, you know, when you're on a category design journey, you're all about innovation, designing the future, what you are not. And so many times people say, you know, I'd like to do some category design, but what they actually mean is I'd like big US companies to bless my category. Well, yeah. you know, that's just looking in the rear view mirror. That's exactly the opposite of designing a future. That is settling for somebody else's version of the future, which is based on the past. And, um, you know, as they say in investments, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And I think our pro tip is go look around, right? Go, go find folks that share your vision. They might be tier two or even tier three analysts. Uh, now, if your analyst person is all about that, fabulous. But, you know, much like the other roles we talked about, they're a little bit too embedded in a ecosystem that may not be the right one for this category journey and may have been perfect previously but just doesn't work yeah i think i think the, the point in all of this is is that you know if you're leading a category process or even just considering leading a category process you need to focus on the people that are not wedded to previous ways of doing things um 
and the people that will enthusiastically drive that category journey forward at, at you know what frankly has to be a relentless pace you know we've talked before about strike 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 but that's the reality and if anybody's got any doubts about doing that or doing it at that pace they really shouldn't be in the organization absolutely and just to you know in conclusion then you need to look your folks your team in the eye make sure they're up for the journey and uh you know issue them the ultimatum fit in or you know what What does the future hold? Let's look into our crystal ball. Ukraine's going to bounce back and be Europe's Silicon Valley. We've been looking for it for a long time. I yep. think that's where it is. Yeah, they've got an amazing uh, engineering diaspora. They've still got amazing back-end engineering skills in the country, which you know certainly many, many UK companies have been taking advantage of forever. But, you know, that's that's exactly where India started. And look at where they are now. We know for a fact we've seen uh, clients that are a part of the Ukrainian diaspora, founders, uh, some of whom have gone to Silicon Valley. They'll be coming back just as soon as peace breaks out over there. Let's hope it's very soon. Uh, and in addition, all of the uh, folks that were trained over there, they've moved to neighboring countries. Some of them have stayed in Belarus, God help them. Some of them are in Poland and are being picked up for these new nearshore versions of outsourcing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's any um, Marshall Plan-like uh, investment going into uh, Ukraine post-war. You know, how much of that goes into just basic infrastructure and how much of it will enable a new tech boom? So in conclusion, I think Ukraine's going to bounce back super strong, super quickly. As soon as peace breaks out, you will find the Silicon Valley of Europe is right there in Kiev and its surroundings. Slava, Ukraine. Yeah, Slava. So looking into our crystal ball, mm. the metaverse is only sleeping. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's a sort of sleeping beauty. I, you know, needs a push. But anybody who thinks it's gone away is deluded. I mean, the reality is, you know, look at AI. AI's in its third coming. Now it's on everybody's lips. Everybody's got concerns about it. It will be exactly the same with the metaverse. It's just that the enabling technologies aren't there yet. So obviously, Facebook has spaffed an untold amount of money on uh, you know, their version of the metaverse. But often, as we said before, incumbents don't win. And uh, we know that Apple's coming strong with its version of AR and VR. And the rumor is there's going to be three or four phases of that. At some point, you would have to bet on those guys getting it right. History says that they normally come in and dominate categories. My prediction is, and I think we, we sort of aligned on this is end of 24 beginning of 25 there will be a significant revenue stream from metaverse hardware and software and i wouldn't be surprised if apple's still in the lead and i would be surprised if facebook's making significant dollar from this okay well thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and remember don't be better be different